show contains badass material and foul language. Some people may find offensive. What else did you expect? How's it going, everybody? This is Chewie. And this is Monica. And we are from the podcast titled Exploring the Myths Behind the Legends. <laughs> Where we talk about stuff like horror films, shows, and folk legends. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Podchaser. Like us and give us a review. Join Jackie and Danielle, two best friends and ex-Blockbuster employees who are re-watching some of their favorite movies from the late 90s and early 2000s on the No More Late Fees podcast. And remember, be kind and rewind. Cheers! Cheers! Hey, Brand new batch of propeller pumpkin spiced ale. Oh! It's fall, it's getting chilly. Let's get our basic bees on. <laughs> basic bees. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I was rocking pumpkin spice way before like lattes became. Listen, it, everything's contextual. Like, what, what does it taste like? Pumpkin pie? Yes. Does it smell like fall? Yes. Does it taste like a hug? Yes. What's wrong with it? I know. There's just something about being like nothing wrong with being put in a into a certain mood, mm. especially when it comes to say horror film or sure you know music or yeah i don't know something about just because it's craft beer doesn't mean it has to be hoppy yeah we're snobbish but we're not Above. it's not like i'm gonna look in in conversation with somebody look down on them for not knowing right. things about like we're not outwardly snobbish no no like i mean given the option i will choose what i prefer which is probably something higher percentage Hoppier, the worst et is when you're out at a restaurant with, say, you know, people that just maybe they like to order Coors Light and Budweiser, Keith's or something. Yeah, like, yeah, you know. Um, and then you're like, "What's on tap?" And then immediately they're like, "Fuck it, here we go." Right. Just you didn't do anything other than ask what the choices yeah, yeah. of craft beer are. So a pumpkin beer is basically cinnamon, nutmeg, and clove. Yeah. Um, but what's the base beer? What is it? Pilsner? Oh, I don't I don't think so. I don't think a Pilsner. I know. I wonder now, though. What would it be? Cream ale? Yes. Something that holds it. A red ale? It has to be something that carries it. That holds the spice. I gotta say, this is a pretty good one. It is very good. <laughs> So, we're back, a little older, a little wiser. I'm growing hair in really weird places, man. You didn't tell them about my pubes, did you? <laughs> no. Is that Wayne's World 2? Yeah, take me, Garth. Where? I'm low on gas and you need a jacket. I know, and it's like Kim Bay, the Kim hottest, hottest oh, ever Kim Basinger. Do, do you like classical? Do you have any Megadeth? <laughs> But after they have sex, everybody's like, yeah, yeah. hello, darling. <laughs> oh, like, I trust you slept well. <laughs> Party on. <laughs> <laughs> Blows the bubbles out of the pipe. Oh, I forgot Because he's still so innocent. That'd <laughs> 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 uh, be a funny list to do, like a um, funniest, like, post-virginity post or mm. whatever losing scenes in movies like in 40 year old virgin after he has sex at the very end of the movie and he's like she's like how does it, how was it for you and he's like well 
Uh, and then he starts that whole musical number. <laughs> Age of Aquarius. <laughs> Age of Aquarius. <laughs> but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, how do we go from there? <laughs> I guess speaking from when we maybe, I don't, I, I don't know when you lost your virginity, but mm. going back in time, yeah, to teenage, mid-teenage, mm-hmm. late teenage years, yeah. um, the music you might have listened to, mm-hmm. maybe you might have lost your virginity to this music. Who knows? Yeah, every generation, every age group mm-hmm. always has their, um, you know, there's that saying of the music that you like for the rest of your life will always be the music you got into first. Yes, not when you're just a kid listening to random shit. The music that right. you really identified with and really like latched onto first. At an early age, there's a form of music that came out late 90s, early 2000s, that especially with the age group I would have been in, like, let's Mm -hmm. say 18 to 22, like, that's a good age to, like, really just be into a certain type of music, regardless of the fashion, regardless Mm -hmm. of, like, the cheesiness of the actual music. But today... We're going to be talking about new metal. Oh, baby. The I hope you've got your parachute <laughs> pants. You've got your wallet chain. Got your beaded necklaces. I hope you have your hair gel. Frosted tips. Oh, brother. It's like almost like if you take a boy band I know. of the 90s, but yet wear a Slayer shirt at the same time. That's one thing I wanted to kind of talk about. It's kind of hilarious how similar the looks of boy bands and new metal. I guess the difference would be like baggy jeans. Sure. Yeah, it was almost like the raver kid that listened to metal. Like yeah. it was like the goth version of yeah, a, nose yeah. rings. Oh, oh eyebrow rings. Yeah, I never, I never fell into this extreme fashion of new metal. Let's say like you know eyeshadow, frosted tips, like I said. But yeah. I was always in that like metal band T-shirt jean category. Sure. But I love new metal because I was always a hip hop fan as well, and so that to me, new metal almost means the Kind of like the melding the mix of metal and hip-hop sure groove based yeah heavy music where does new metal begin i'm gonna say blind mm. is probably to me the beginning of what we know the mainstream kind of like new sure. metal what really kind of catapulted everything yeah. into the yeah the limelight and still a great track amazing timeless it's a perfect like distillation of what makes to me like new metal it's uh, like i said it's it's groove based heavy music so you have a simple riff right yeah like that's all you need and even the verse um is just two notes like zero and one like a huge drop e riff so but it's but it's the melody of the vocals that make the verse work so well right now but I think, too, the simplicity of the content of the lyrics that are very tangible in that mm. song. It's kind of amazing to think about, too. Like, um, you know, music's obviously universal and so many different subject matters are going to relate to whatever. But something that new Metal managed to tap into, uh, well, at least Korn did initially anyways. Initially, and, yeah. And I don't think it was by design, but it was just that idea of aggressive music mixed with exactly that idea or the messaging that you said of, the thoughts of someone that doesn't feel accepted, someone that might mm. be depressed, someone that would like... I don't think they did that intentionally, but it just hit a nerve mm-hmm. with that specific group, that demographic, you know what I mean? And Yeah. And I think on the surface, too, I think that that appeal doesn't actually have to be a metal head. That just is any yeah. 15, 16, 17-year-old. It just lent, it lent itself very well to that style of music. 
Yeah. Most certainly. So it's very like emotive. Mm-hmm. You've got something on your chest. You're struggling with it. Um, it's something societal based, but yet it's highly relatable to anyone trying to form an identity in their younger years or their early adult years where they feel like, oh, man, I, I just don't feel like I have a place. I don't mm. have an identity. I don't have a click. I don't mm. somehow that first Corn album released in 94. It just meant something to the psyche that exists within everybody. Mm. But I think the thing that stood between it to other groups was. Is that the aesthetic of how you like your music to sound? And I think because it was borrowing elements from, you know, experimental funk um, and rock like Mr. Bungle, Mm. um, stuff that had already been explored by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Corn was previously a band called uh, the LAPD. Oh, yeah. um, Bass driven. Actually, yeah. When I was like reading about new metal, um, people, they do consider Primus... um, Definitely influencers. Proto. Thing, yeah, that, that would like lead into yeah, and I, metal. Yeah, I think it's because it's the hybrid between heavy, edgy, but funky. Mm. There were the evil chords, you know, like the, the diminished fifth, the, the triad, the devil's note. If you throw in this like funky beat, like a hip hop groove or even a funk beat, some slap bass in it, all of a sudden it still sounds evil, but yet it's kind of funky. Man, My Name is Mud is... I would say, now that I'm thinking about it, kind of like, I mean, Fieldy owes yes. a lot to Les Claypool in My Name is yes. Blood. And especially there's that one mo- moment at the start of the song. He's like, yes. and there's that huge distorted like bass yes. chord. Yeah. You know, it's just evil sounding, but it's just awesome. Like, awesome sounding. You but know? you know what? But you know why it's awesome? And I think it's because we're able to retrospectively look back on it is that Corn, mm. Primus, whatever we're talking about, it's contextual, so it's awesome and cool sounding because it was new then. Mm-hmm. And it was taking things from what would have been new to these artists, and then they just kind of, you know, as as all very inspired and good artists do, is they take from their influences and they kind of regurgitate what they interpreted and put it back out to you. Yeah, you know, like, do we know what made um, Head or Monkey decide to use seven string guitar well they were they were metal fans like they liked their metallica and pantera pantera being a very big influencer um on on new metal indirectly by being groove based groove oriented mm-hmm. um making very rhythmic especially in the percussive side you know very percussive driven like where the drums follow the guitar riff so they operate together mm. almost like a mechanized force. Like, mm. you know, I think of like uh, Fear Factory. Is the a, Sugar's bass drum. Right. <laughs> so like, you know, they're they're playing off of each other, but yet they're they're moving together as a machine. Like they're all encompassing. Fieldy is like the lead bassist of the band <laughs> because a lot of the bass actually comes from uh, a detuned seven string using you know, 412 cabinets and not being shy on the actual bass control. Mm. And a lot of the riffs based in it having the open A mm. string coming out. I mean, that's not very low considering what kind of standards we've achieved in 2020, you know, with nine string, 10 string guitars tuned down to C sharp below open bass E on guitars. But, you know, it all has to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. So to go back to what you're saying... You know, you've got regular metal kind of evolving itself and influences young guitarists. 
Along comes Steve Vai, kind of this virtuoso. He puts out the Ibanez 7-string. These guys took to that model. They, I, I truly believe they borrowed things from like bands like Pantera and Mr. Bungle, who would use that moving triad chord, um, you know, like the relationship between the notes uh, E, B flat, and then they just move that all over the place. And it's very dissonant, very unpleasant sounding, and really some of the best parts of Korn are the worst parts of the band. They kind of played up to that, throwing a big muff cranked in front of an already distorted amp. Like, how much more fuzz could you put in front of that? Yeah, like, what's that song? Um, oh, uh, Here to Stay. Here to Stay. Yeah. The very start of that is just like, yeah, let's crank a big muff. Well, do you know what they did? Jack they, the well, they actually, they, they went to the next step with that. They actually doubled the riff. So you hear it in natural A, uh. but they used their whammy pedal, which accompanied it to a full octave below. Ah. So you get to hear this garbled mush, but it sounds so crushing. Man, when that song kicks in. Yeah. That's like when that lo-fi guitar cuts out. That's what I want. That's what I live for in music. Pure sonic enjoyment. (laughs) Tonally, what is new metal? Hmm. So let's just, let's just take, let's just stick with Corn Blind. That song still has everything that is the characteristics of new metal. If it wasn't for that song, I don't think the genre would have existed. So you've got the slap, funky bass, which sounds like dental floss sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got a really, really high-tuned piccolo snare that sounds like popcorn. (laughs) And it works. It works for the song. But a lot of the bass is in the low-tuned guitars, and then you've got emotional vocals. Another thing, though, that I think um, that, especially to me, like helps define new metal is... The hip hop influence. So even in a song like "Blind," um, after you know the first verse or whatever the, the melodies, but he, there's that one part where he's like, "Live the life that seems to be a lost, a lost reality. reality." He's rapping. Yeah, you know he's he's screaming a little bit. It's raspy, but he's no way to reach my inner self. New metal to me yes. is just that it is a little bit of mix of hip hop yeah. and metal. You know? Yeah, the the element that they borrowed from hip hop. There's a strife within. That's the society that you identify currently with or you're structurally mm-hmm. set within, you know, be it um, where you live, where you're relegated to. So, um, you know, corn is a very soft uh, social commentary, I think. Yeah, um, pretty so- almost like they don't they don't really bring up. They're not talking. About, yes, they're not talking about like huge social issues. They're more like he's talking about himself. Inner struggles. Yes. Yeah. Inner struggles. Yeah. Yeah. Not so much like a. Yeah. political that's or, right yeah, yeah you're right you're right i think with new metal guitarists they didn't want to play within what had already been done they just wanted to expand mm-hmm. now to their credit they were very very inspired they're very influential to other bands and other styles to come over the next couple of decades they didn't know that then of course but i think that what worked against them was not how they played their music and how they made it sound or the aesthetic or etc. I think it was the fact that mainstream media labeled it new metal. Yeah, it was so, a weird it was a weird like yeah, yeah. It did come with a certain I guess connotation yes. label. And I think the I think the metal culture, the traditional, identifiable metal culture, 
we're, we're very touchy yeah. when it comes to mainstream exposure. It's almost like the name itself implies that it's not metal. Yeah. You know, it's uh, new metal. It's anti-metal. Yeah. Metal. Yeah. It's anti-metal metal. That's true. So like, um, you know, if you were a Metallica Slayer, Pantera, you're, you know, thrash, just your quote unquote heavy metal fan. New metal, if you weren't into it, you were never going to get into it. But you weren't going to let yourself get into it either because there was that certain stigma of um, staying true to metal. And that still exists today, of course. And it's so yeah. convoluted. And it yeah, really no, is. It is so convoluted. It's way too, yeah. And, that, and, that, it's, and, and it's so unnecessary at times. I still love being a part of a metal culture. I love going to metal shows pre-COVID. And it's amazing to go there and see the energy and see people involved um, physically in yeah. the music. Like yeah. it's the one type of music where aside from any sort of music that has a dance element to it, if it makes you want to thrash up against other people that you don't know and become best friends with them, that's that's the connection of metal. It's the it's the outlet of being yeah. like this music gets me. Man. So that's crazy that, I don't know, what what, what you just said to yeah. me makes me think of, I know this is a tangent, so we can, I'll just be yes, quick, yes, but yes. Um, there's a movie Green Room. Yes. You know that movie? I do. I love that so movie. So the band, the, yes. what are they called again? Damn it. I forget their name. Anyways, when they first play the Nazi bar, mm-hmm. they're like, fuck it. Let's play Nazi punks fuck off. Yes. Uh, covered by Dead Kennedys. Yes. So they start playing it and the audience is very very hostile they hate them they're spitting at them they're throwing their drinks at them um so they play the cover but then the next song they play okay well now we're gonna play our our regular shit but they're such a true band Mm -hmm. and they're such like a energetic band that that the audience starts going "Mm." they start like banging kind of nodding and then it goes into this great montage of the last it's almost like the last peaceful moment of the movie when the band on stage is playing their hearts out and there's a mosh pit and everyone's just like enjoying yes. the music. Yes. And it's a perfect representation of metal and yes. punk to me yes. that I've never seen in a movie before. It's that idea that you just said, like it, when people allow that release, like it yes. really is something special, especially with that type of music. You know, they were called ain't rights. The ain't rights. <laughs> and they were opening for cow catcher. <laughs> Uh, the movie's so amazing. Oh, the movie is incredible. But yeah, that idea of yes, music that kind of music does bring people together and, and yeah. allows people to have like an identity of yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and and again, we're sick with we're, we're still on blind by corn. Think of the music video. They're playing live. Yeah, it's a crowd. They're they're moshing. They're stage diving. Really, if. If there was no band shot in the video and you just had the crowd scenes, it was just any just angry aggression. metal yeah. band, right? I'm blind. This is a real band. Like, they don't need gimmicks for music. I love that. They're just playing live, raw music. Yeah, that's awesome. That makes me, like, yeah, makes me realize there is something amazing about a live music video. It always works. If the music is good and the intention yes. is good yes a live music video will always work because the people are responding genuinely to like whatever music they're listening to and the sure. band is a 
you know, being true to themselves. Like, yeah. it's kind of interesting to think about, actually. Yeah. I don't know of any other style of metal that had a buildup as long as Blind by Korn. Oh, the intro. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. And such a signature. I mean, Everything they, had its turn. I mean, what's insane to me is that still, all these years later, you look up... I just look up a Korn live performance on YouTube. Yeah. Their intro is always blind. Because it's such an amazing intro. Like... A build-up. Yeah, yeah. Like, you just have a drummer on stage, the lights kind of go up, mm. and all he has to do, hit that ride yes. and that bell, yeah. and the pe- place... They know just, what's, they they know know what's, what's going on. Yeah. So, it goes, cymbal. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Oh, yeah. Then, 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 then. Yeah, you got the clean guitar playing the, the triad there, and then more triads, ba-bam, ba-bam. And it's just like everything builds and builds it's and builds. Build up, yeah. And the first words out of Jonathan Davis's mouth, yeah. are you ready? Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> it's like, perfect. Like yeah. it just How did they do that? Like that that song that song really like that whole build up, it wrote itself. But that also, like you said, it was a catalyst for the generation it's to true. come. Yeah. So are you ready for what's going to come is really like this deep meaning. And I don't think they knew that at that time. That's what I, exactly what I was saying about corn. I don't think it was by design. No, about the, the angsty lyrics. They weren't doing it to be like, we're going to like catch these people in a certain place or whatever. Sure. They were just being true to themselves, but they were the first ones to really do it in that way. Like, are you ready? Should be cheesy, but it's not. You know, because it's just like I know. And if you did it now, you yeah. were you're a corn ripoff band. <laughs> exactly. Like corns yeah. already beat you to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that this band came out of nowhere on the mainstream charts. They charted, first of all. I know, like yeah, they were they were LAPD, I guess, before, but corn self-titled is their first album. Yeah. <laughs> so who's the first next new Ugh. metal band? After corn? In your mainstream eyes, right off the top of your head. Well then, Limp Biscuit. Exactly. So, <laughs> so now, so now we're going to go back to the hip hop discussion. Well, yes. So now you've got a more hip hop fronted new metal band. Now, I think Corn wasn't necessarily supposed to be what was then dubbed new metal. Mm-hmm. I just think they were just making aggressive music. Mm-hmm. That's all they were doing. But then the marketing, the success on MTV, much oh, music in our man, case. This is crazy. I think that that's what really influenced bands to start, okay, we need to make a band that sounds like this. Yeah. Yes. But that first Slim Biscuit album, I think, was... Oh, that's pretty solid. Yeah. I give that credit to Wes Borland's Guitar Chops on that album. He took more from the rock and metal world that than Korn did. Mm-hmm. Like progressive guitar. He actually took a seven string and tuned it up. So he took it from natural B, which a seven string is tuned into, and tuned it up a whole step. So two semitones, two frets up, to C sharp. Mm-hmm. So what do you do with that high E string now that it's high? Well, instead of that becoming F sharp, he actually had two C sharp high E strings tuned at the exact same pitch, the exact same gauge, but it gave it that chorusy effect like a 12 string possesses where they're tuned the exact same, but they'll never be truly exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So it's just this weird kind of way of playing. He also, you know, did a lot of double hand tapping. He would take his right hand. And he would play the octave 
of the chord, and then he would do the lead work with the left hand. Hmm. And the song that comes to mind is uh, Rearranged. So he's doing the pull-off on the third and, and open, and he's holding down the octave on the top. And it's very, very difficult, and he did it he did it beautifully. But that's the second album. So going back to the first album, there was a lot more hip-hop in the vocal approach, but there was also some actually decent screams on that album, taking from, you know, like Kurt Cobain's... Um, Almost like that puking kind of scream that he, he did would have, do. Yeah, pukey kind of like. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, like the Phil Anselmo <laughs> from Great Southern Train Kill that I love so much. It's just weird when you hear the stuff, and if it was of your palate back then, it takes you back being like, man, I remember listening to that. But here's the next part. Fad music, and in this case, we're talking about new metal being a fad from my past. I, I look back on it; some of it has not aged well. <laughs> Limp Bizkit is one of those bands, unfortunately. But some of their songs, if it wasn't for the guitars or those moments where you're like, "Oh, I'm waiting for that part in the song," mm. it doesn't save it. There's no nothing good. You know, when when a genre becomes popular, then mm-hmm. the next album. Significant other, obviously Nookie, break stuff. Oh yeah, rearranged like. Then they became like a product. I yes, guess. they were, and they leaned into hmm. what people expected of them to do. Yeah, not to say like I love Nookie. Like the main beat is exactly what you want from a new metal mm-hmm. rap metal song. At yes. that point, yeah, let's like let's call it for what it is. It's rap slash metal, and that became kind of a genre. Unto itself. Unto yeah. itself. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. You know, associated with new metal, but yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Significant Other was definitely more polished. Yeah. More like, I guess, focused in that yeah. direction than like um, $3 Bill Y'all was definitely more of a, almost in a way like a punk. It was almost like a. Yeah, it was. Independent punk record. It was yeah, just it like, was. It was yeah. dirty. It was nasty. It was groovy. It was rap, but there was a lot of screaming, but it was like really messy. Yes. Know? It was very live and yeah, raw yeah, sounding. Yeah. I think that's what worked for it, truly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. So you said Significant Other, Polished. I do enjoy that album. So do I. And Nookie, speaking from a guitarist side of things, that was played on a four-string guitar he created. Great riff, though. <laughs> but he took he took parts and made a guitar. Okay, so... I first talked about corn, monkey and head having too many pedals. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, okay, I got seven strings. I'm going to tune them down to full steps. So now they're in A. Okay. Now I'm going to get, what, almost 20 pedals in front of me? Mm-hmm. Great. This guy's like, that's cool. I'm going to use less strings. And I'm going to build my own guitar. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's true. He did that. And uh, he actually used, you know, a four string guitar that he built on some of the songs on $3 Bill Y'all. But I think what was so interesting was that. On a popular album, the main hook off of that album, you know, the main single off of that album, Nookie, could not be recreated on a conventional guitar without detuning something way too low because he actually used bass strings on a guitar body. Mm. Very cool. Very innovative. Sounds so good. Whether or not that's your cup of tea, that's very cool. 
It is cool. That is very different. That is very, very cool. Yeah, even in like, even in, even when something is so mainstream and so polished, yeah. the guy still managed to like make something completely original. Yes. Like, even though you might, might not realize it, it's yeah. just like a good groove and a good riff. Yeah. But, you know, he's still being yeah. innovative. Yeah. And original. Yeah. It's really cool. So you want to talk about, okay, so I'm just going through a list right now in front of me of like new metal songs. So you were saying songs that don't really age the best. Oh God. I'm going to hit you with one. I don't even know why. Honestly, I don't know why it's on this list. It doesn't make sense to me why this is a new metal song. The first sentence that describes the song says the moment new metal jumped the shark so hard that it ended up in orbit. Crazy Town's Butterfly. That song sucks. Okay, so move gonna, along. Okay, now this is going to be... This is a positive one. Okay. And this is one that I wanted to talk about. Before, we were talking about like political. We were talking about the gradual oh, evolution okay. of, of something from Korn. I remember seeing uh-huh. uh, the very first video I ever remember seeing for this band. It was like on Loud at like 12 a.m. or whatever. Much music sure. From their first album. Self-titled album. Although this isn't the song on my list, but it was War. Oh, excellent. A great new metal band. Yeah, yeah. Because it was like groove. It was like energetic. It was, yes. you know. Yes. Um, the obviously the song on my, on my list is Chop Suey, obviously the most famous. Maybe the, the one that catapulted them into the... I won't disagree. New metal stratosphere. Didn't... I only liked their first album. Really? I didn't like anything Toxicity after. Toxicity is one of my favorite albums. No, but I didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I just, I felt that what Rick Rubin captured of the band yeah, that first on that album, yeah. first debut system Still album. Talking about, an in, talking about a great intro. Just running through the harmonics. It's almost like a, an American anthem or something. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. When did Rage Against Machine debut? That's, so that's another thing that I was kind of curious about. Um, Talking about like political metal. Yeah, but but stylistically, when did yeah. they when did they debut? Was that ninety four? That's ninety two. Um, was Rage Against the Machine ninety two? Yeah, System. Man, System of a Down debuted didn't come out till ninety eight. What? That's insane. So to me. six years it took. Uh, <laughs> All right. So wait, we got to give way more credit to Rage Against the no, Machine. No, no, no. And, and here's what I here's what I wanted to say about Rage in terms of new metal. Wow. Is that new that that Rage Against the Machine is influential, definitely, to new metal. I can't even believe how influential. But they did not influence the cheesy aesthetic that came from that new metal approach. Corn is the true new metal mm-hmm. flagship. But if it wasn't for a band like Rage then maybe the combination of aggression and rap with a live band might not have been conceived. You can stem things back and you can really split hairs about where does this come from? Where does this start? Mm -hmm. Yes, Rage Against the Machine is definitely influential to new metal, but I don't think that it caught fire Mm -hmm. at the right time. But I don't think it had the aesthetic that it needed to influence that generation to say, oh, this is new metal. Mm -hmm. Because they weren't truly, in my opinion, playing metal music. Mm -hmm. Their music wasn't evil Mm -hmm. enough. 
they were still tuned in a standard realm like drop D. They, they might drop it down to drop A, but they weren't playing it like Korn was. Mm. So their lyrical content was the feature along with a guy playing his guitar like a DJ. But <laughs> but it was it was very very cool and different, but I don't think that they were surrounded by enough of an audience to say that this was marketable in a cheesy way, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. We weren't ready to put you on the cover of a cereal box or You're not going to have action figures. Team Beat magazine. Right. Quite yet. No. Okay. okay, so we have Rage Against the Machine in 92. With a very politically driven hip hop lead, yes. With a rock band, not yes. necessarily a metal band. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Stylistically, aesthetically, mm-hmm. yes, there are heavy parts, but they're not playing metal. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was a product of the time that metal needed something. Grunge mm. is what took the claim for ending glam metal and or being the new guitar driven music. Mm-hmm. Instead of being flashy, it was the opposite. Instead of using magic clothes, it had no focus on aesthetic. Mm. 98, definitely. You're yeah, on so your fa- second year, I yeah, think, of Family Values. Family Values is an interesting thing to talk about, too. It helped, um, you know, made new metal kind of a... Um, uh, or just, it grouped a bunch of people in together that could, like usher in the era of new metal and make it you know even more mainstream even though sure. some of the bands on that tour were maybe not metal like obviously incubus um ice cube mm, you know of course but it's all about i think the idea of just like groovy mm-hmm. you know well-intentioned music i guess well i think i think the takeaway from that as a as a, a like the booking manager is that from a very soft approach is it actually exposes what might be a narrow focus audience Hmm. to a broader, a broader sensibility of style and genre. And even the opposite. Like if you, if you were an Incubus fan, you were going to go see Incubus, but the idea is that the, the mood maybe and the grooves Mm. and um, the enjoyment is still the same. So then you'd be like an Incubus fan going and be like, man, actually corn, yeah, this is pretty good. Like, this is awesome. Or, like, Ice Cube, you're a rap, and you'd hear Limp Bizkit, and you'd be like, yeah, actually, I kind of like Limp Bizkit, too, yeah. you know? Head and Monkey were on Ice Cube's album. Oh, I didn't know War that. and Peace. I think it was... It's the War album, and the song's called Fuck Dying. Do you fuck, know this? Fuck Dying. No, I don't know. you know the song? But I agree with that. Fuck Dying. This one song means a lot, I think, to new metal, even though the band itself might not be like remembered as one of the greats but when we're talking about rap we're talking about rock that idea of new metal papa roach's last resort oh yeah one of the great new metal songs i think in that it was just like a pure rap rock or rap metal song right even the the riff but you know what that just reminds me of a lower tune iron maiden riff exactly but that's what i mean like more of the metal side and but then the the lyrics themselves like interesting. It was I was in too thin. No love for each other. And he yes. was like totally yes. rap. Yes, it was that mix perfect. But you know what's there. interesting too is that so you talked you, you mentioned Incubus, mm-hmm. not a metal band. Mm-hmm. Listen to the heaviest song on the album, Science. What is it? Exactly. Certain state of green. What? What? 
Yeah. And also, ooh, does Disturbed? Oh, that does this. I wonder if Disturbed 100%. credits Incubus maybe with developing the ooh. Ah, well, come on. Again, there's another new if, metal if you, song. We well, if you're gonna, well, if you're going to split hairs about things, you got to go back to Mike Patton. So, uh, okay, so yes, Epic by Faith No More. There's a rap metal song. For sure, yeah. Uh, so we're going to continue on with the rap metal mm. kind of focus. Although this is a little more religious. P.O.D. Oh! Alive. Alive, wow. Great song. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a great song. I don't know. I always like that song. They they they, <laughs> they were a miss for me. They they didn't. Hit I did the mark. always like that song. Youth of I the Nation. Like I remember that. No, Youth of the. I hated Southtown. I like Southtown. It's not that I'm saying I like these songs. These are the songs I remember. <laughs> Talking about um, maybe the fashion that hasn't. Uh, oh yes. Dated. I guess as well. We were talking about like the baggy jeans, the frosted tips. One band that always seemed to emulate that part. Mm. Um, they were awesome. Well, the band itself wasn't awesome. The singer was awesome. Yeah. I'm talking of, about Cole Chamber. Ooh. Loco. That's a great song. They're though. a ridiculous looking band. Looking yeah. back on it, it obviously has not aged well at all. But the songs, especially... His vocals, like especially a hook, like something as simple as "Loco." Me loco. His voice sounds so good. Still, like it just it will always hold up to me. Like, There's so much about that song that I actually love that I don't like when I see them. And they're copying corn, even like. Yeah. And using like that's so corn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even that's blind, really. That's one thing that he had. It's really probably the, one of the only reasons they became is because I'm sure there's so many bands that sounded like them, mm-hmm. had great, just easy, groovy riffs like them, but his yeah. vocals, man. If one thing is for certain, we can all, we, we can talk about like the origin, mm. everything, I would say, yeah, and you're right, and you would say as well, stems from Corn, Jonathan Davis. All of them, like that. The the self titled album. Yeah, that's what we say needs to stand alone. Yeah, it's a perfect storm. That's the yeah. That's that is the greatest new metal album of all time. I and it's timeless. It has yeah. it has it's still great. Yeah. The self titled Corn album. I think more people would say now as metal fans would say, yeah, actually that's a pretty good one. <laughs> of course, yeah. That might have been a shame to say that they did because of bands like Limp Bizkit. Who were also grouped into the corn universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I don't know if this is a comprehensive episode of New Metal or is it just a celebration of corn's first album, but I think we brought it back around. I think we did. Welcome to Bitch Watch. Hi, I'm Sly. I'm Witsy. And we're two bitches watching TV. We're a recap and shit talk show. That's right. We watch hours and hours and hours of tv so you don't have to you can listen and laugh along with us everywhere you listen to podcasts and find us on instagram and twitter at bitchwatchpod is our show original no entertaining we hope so this is bitchwatch stoner chicks we're four friends who met through comedy and bonded through weed i'm grace penzel i'm kayla teal i'm stephanie thompson I'm Phoebe Richards. If 
you love smoking weed and laughing with your friends, this podcast is for you. Weekly episodes will drop on Fridays starting April 2nd, so subscribe now to Stoner Chicks wherever you get your podcasts. Coming to your favorite podcatcher soon. <laughs> All right, that was our episode on New Metal. I'm Kyle from Nostalgia Podcast saying, if only we could fly! <laughs> to the Matthews Bridge! <laughs> and I'm Matt from the Stall Junk Podcast saying, Are you...